Fire.
Fine Arts 2013. Great job, guys. I was like driven with it. My wife said, don't put your back out. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad. I am so, I want to give you all just a great big group hug. You are here Memorial Weekend. Oh, my. My sister's got one sister at the beach, and I have another sister. She's at some resort in Arizona, and they've been sending me pictures all weekend just to make me feel bad. Isn't that what sister's supposed to do, right, just make you feel good? I'm so honored. Come on, that was kind of funny, I thought, you know. But I'm so honored that you are here today. We want to welcome all of our first-time guests with family and friends and all of our, our church people. I love you. Thank you for being here today. I want to speak to you today. I want to speak to you today as a friend. I just want to talk to you as a friend for the next few moments. Uh, I want to speak to you today. If you need a father in your life, I want to speak to you as a dad. Uh, And if you just need someone to be a fellow pilgrim, taking a journey through this life on our way to eternity, I want to speak to you as a fellow pilgrim. However, whatever hat needs to be in your life right now for me to speak to you, I want you to open your heart. I want you to hear what God has for you today. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Psalms chapter 92. I'm speaking a message that my wife says it's her life message. It's her, it's her life verse. It's Psalms chapter 92. I'm entitled a message, God's House. God's House. A couple things I want to make mention to the men next Saturday, 7.30, first annual. I like first, so it's the first time we've done a men's breakfast. We'll be doing it next Saturday. Fred Felton will be with us Saturday. He'll stay over and be with us all three services for my birthday bash. He is a great preacher. You guys, we're going to have a lot of lot of fun at my birthday because church, we can have fun. Amen? And we're going to have my favorite snacks after church next week. And hopefully they're your favorite snacks, but they're my favorite snacks. And we're just going to have a party and celebrate the goodness of God and 50 years of life. And I want to encourage you to be a part. And then tonight, those of you that are not yet members at City Church, we want to encourage you to take your next step. We have over 40 people sign up for membership on Memorial Weekend. Come on. Give God a big hand. That's awesome. That is really, really, really cool. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Psalms chapter 92. And if you could stand for the reading of God's word. Psalms chapter 92. I love this psalm. I love the psalms. David wrote about two-thirds of the psalm. He didn't write all of them. But David was a poet, songwriter, prophet, man of God, king, warrior. He was just an all, kind of like Pastor Glenn. I was the court jester in high school. He was the court champion in high school. And look how God just chooses to use all kinds of people. Amen? Psalms chapter 92, David writes a Sabbath song. It's a song of the Sabbath. And for the believer, for Christians, as New Testament believers, we worship on the first day of the week. And it would be a song that they would sing in the synagogue. David wrote this song and for generations, even to this very day, 3,000 years later, they still sing this song in the synagogues. It's a powerful, powerful psalm. He contrasts the life between the wicked and the righteous. It's a contrast between the the, the life of the wicked and the righteous. I'm going to begin. I'm going to pick up at verse number 12. And the Bible says, the the righteous will flourish. I just like the sound of that, flourish. Just say it, flourish. Just kind of let it roll off your tongue. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Planted in the house of the Lord... They will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green. Proclaiming, the Lord is upright. 
He is my rock, and there is no wickedness in Him. Lord, I pray for every person here to have a spiritual ear. God, I pray for them to have an open heart. And God, for me to have a mouth to speak, not my words, but your words to this group of wonderful people on Memorial Day weekend. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. You know, Memorial Weekend is, is interesting. When we send our boys off to war, the goal, the goal is not to send them to be killed. That's not the, cool, that's not the goal of, of, of us as American citizens and as people who have engaged in conflict from our very beginning. The goal is actually to kill the other guy. You know that. And that process, people have committed themselves to laying down their lives to doing whatever it takes, and people have died. In the spiritual realm, there's a reality that people do die. It's not the goal. It's not the goal of God for people to die spiritually. It's not the goal of God for people not to flourish and grow and prosper. I've been now pastoring full-time, almost full-time capacity for almost 25 years. 25 years. And what I've kind of identified some things that I really, really love about ministry and pastoring. One of the things that I really love about pastoring is I love to see new people come to faith in Christ. I mean, I love it. I love to see what took place here about three weeks ago in between second and third service when we baptized 13 people. And one of the young men that went into the baptismal pool, his name is Juan, and he had his whole family on the front row here in one of the services. And I, I'm one of his Facebook buds now, and, and I just see his post, and he's glorifying God, and he's, his life has changed. I mean, I don't know about you, but that's just like, wow, that is awesome. Uh, the next thing that I love to see is I love to see people discover their design and destiny in God. I love to see believers not really sure what they're called and created to do. I love to see people discover the spiritual gift that's within them and begin to use it and to begin to really flourish in the relationship with God as they serve other people. I also love to watch families grow in Christ. I watched uh, Ben Thomas last night. His little son Wesley was up, uh, up at the church uh, after the prayer meeting, and they were setting up over in the children's ministry. Ben's one of the children's workers. Ben has been at City Church now, I mean, for a long time, actually since our very first auditorium that we used on Sunday morning in Altamont Springs at the old General Cinema. And to see Ben, I married Ben, I married, I didn't marry Ben. Like Pastor Glenn said, I had the privilege of, of, of officiating the marriage between him and Stacy. And I watched him have a child and watched now this child, this little, little child, like six years old, seven years old, he's leading worship over in children's ministry. I mean, it's just like, you're like, oh, your heart's just like, wow. I mean, that's what this thing is about. It's just incredible. I love it. 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 I love what I do. And if you don't love what you do, go find something you love to do and do it. Because there's no reason for you to be unhappy for the rest of your life. There's no reason for you just to go to work with an I owe, I owe, I owe, so off to work I go. That's not God's way. God has created us to be people of joy. And so you have to learn to be happy, but it isn't always easy. You know, I'm not always happy about things that I see happen in people's lives. I think the thing that breaks my heart the most is when I see such potential in people. And I mean incredible potential. I see what could be in people because I know the God that I serve. And then I see the reality of where people end up. It breaks my heart. It breaks my heart to see people come into a local church. And, and you know, they've been touched by God, encounter God, and begin on this process and journey. And then something happens. Something causes them to 
to falter, to fall, to stumble, to get hurt, to get embittered, and to see them go wrong direction. And it isn't, you know, I mean, it does make me mad sometimes because I just, I just think, my God, what in the world? What are they thinking? What are they doing to their kids? But really what hurts is that I know the potential that's in them. I know the reality where they're at. I know what could be in God and where they really are today. And it breaks the heart of God. See, God's purpose. The psalmist really lays it out for us. The the psalmist really lays out two things. One, it's God's will. Everybody say God's will. It's God's will for his people to flourish or prosper. It's God's will. And the way that people flourish or prosper is to be planted in his house. I'm going to, I just, I'm not going to say this in in any kind of unapologetic manner. I'm saying this today with firm conviction, with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my strength. I believe that every person in this room, if you are going to prosper, and I don't mean financially, that's just an American ideology, a worldly concept where it's about money and bigger houses and stuff, and yeah, all that stuff comes in our life. Whatever, But what it's about is flourishing in our spiritual life and our relationship with God. And some of those other things come along. They're like little presents that God gives us. They're gifts of grace and tokens of his kindness. But that's not what this life is about. This life, God has promised that you'll flourish. He says, listen, look what he says here, right there in the very first verse. First. The righteous will flourish. The righteous will flourish. I decided to speak this message because I have what I call a moment of 10. I got 10 years. I'm going to be 50 in less than two weeks. And I don't feel like I'm 50. I feel like I'm, you know, I still think I'm 25. I said this before until I look in the mirror and I have that phantom disease, you know, where your hair is gone, but you still think you got it. And trying to like a few little things, you're trying to pop them off, you know. <laughs> Last year we were over at Millennium. We were doing the satellite campus and I got all fired up one Sunday morning, preaching on Jericho, walls coming down. And I, that stage, if you guys remember, that stage over there was like four feet. I just went flying out that stage, doing the Jericho march all by myself. And no one even followed me. I couldn't believe it. Ran around the building, jumped off a stage, and I paid for that for like a week. I mean, that was, that's how you know you're getting a little bit older, you know. I'm going to be 50, but I, I, I always tell people, man, I wish I knew now. I wish I knew then, you know, what I know now. Because there's just some things that you learn over life. And I've committed the next 10 years of my life to my family. I mean, to loving my wife and loving my family. To fulfilling the destiny and the ministry that God has created me. That God has created me for. To this local church, to city church, to seeing it become all that God's created it to be. And then, listen, listen, listen. I've committed my life to this community and to this city. Because I believe that God has a great and glorious church that he's building right here in the community of Sanford. Because, see, people think that, oh, Sanford. And I said, you know what comes out of Sanford? The goodness of God comes out of Sanford. You know what comes out of Sanford? The grace of God comes out of Sanford. You know what comes out of Sanford? Changed lives come out of Sanford. You know what comes out of Sanford? A church that loves people regardless of race, color, or creed. A church that's integrated on Sunday morning. A church that loves people committed my life to this. I got a moment of 10. See, this moment of 10 today, really, it's about you. It's about you fulfilling the plan that God has created for you. 
You see, God has promised that his people would prosper and grow. Look at verse number 12 with me. The Bible says, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. That word righteous is used 280. I'm looking over here at the sides of the tree here. The righteous, the word righteous is used over 287 times in the Bible. And it's always about people doing the right thing. That's what it's about. And when the Bible begins to talk about righteous men, you're starting to read it and think, well, that wasn't a righteous thing that he did. That wasn't a righteous thing that he did. That wasn't a righteous thing that that person did. But no, no, no. It wasn't about a act or one thing that they did. What it was about was that their hearts were bent towards seeking a perfect God. See, there, there's no perfect person in this room. But what being righteous is about is that when we stumble, when we fall, when we mess up, we get back up and we keep seeking after a living God, a risen Savior whose name is Jesus. The righteous will. The righteous will flourish. The word flourish just absolutely has a connotation of prosperity, of well-being, of doing good. I looked this up. I love this phrase. It literally means to be in a period of highest productivity of excellence or influence. The highest productivity of excellence or influence. That's what it means to flourish. When you are flourishing in your job, it means that you are at your highest capacity of what? Uh, 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 of doing excellence, doing above and beyond, exceeding expectations. And influencing other people for good. That's how you know you're starting to flourish. That's God's will for you. That's the the righteous will. Now Satan has all kinds of trip-ups and roadblocks and things to hinder you and stop you. But that's not God. God, these young people out here were singing my message. I am a champion. Woo! Yeah, we're like, yeah, champion. But do we really believe that inside? Do we real or do we just feel like, you know, man, we coward again. We caved in again. We crashed again. We failed again. We get kind of this ego or complex about our spiritual walk. But that's not the way God created you. And that's not what God believes about you. Because God sees you differently than you see yourself. You say, God sees you who you can be. And if you surrender to Him, who He'll make you to be. God's plan and purposes, although they're never easy, they're always good. And then the Bible equates the righteous to a palm tree and the cedars of Lebanon. That palm tree. That palm tree grows straight. It grows tall. The palm trees in the Bible were symbols of victory. Solomon in, in the temple, inside the temple walls, had these beautiful, beautiful palm trees that he had carved. I have a couple of palm trees that I went and bought this week at Lowe's. And uh, the one thing I know about this palm tree is that it started in someone else's garden or it started in someone else's nursery. But it's going to be transplanted. It's going to be transplanted into another nursery. It's going to be transplanted into other soil. You see, our lives are like these palm trees. We, we were planted in the world. We were planted as enemies of God because we were born into sin. All, everyone say all, all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. Every person. So we were born sinners in need of a Savior. We're planted in the wrong courts. We're planted in the wrong house. Then one day, God's grace came to you. I don't know how it happens. I don't fully understand it. But the wind of the Spirit began to blow in your life. The conviction of God began to stir you. You began to realize that your life wasn't what it should be. You realized that you were a sinner. You have to know that you're a sinner in order to be saved from sin. You have to know that. God began to speak to you about areas of your life that were wrong. 
needed to be changed. But you weren't going to do this on your own. It was going to be by His Spirit because He was going to take you, this palm tree that was planted in the wrong kingdom, and He was going to plant you in His house. His house. His house. He was going to plant you in house. His house. His courts. See, God created you like that palm tree. I, I love Bonefish. It's a little restaurant down the street, and every while I go there, and they're one of the few places that I, they have a hearts of palm salad. Uh, and the date palm of biblical times, actually the heart, they would eat the heart. Not only would they eat the dates of the fruit of the palm tree, they'd also eat that heart. And if you've ever eaten heart of palm, I mean, the best hearts of palm are tender. They're soft. They're succulent. They're actually kind of sweet. they just got this really good flavor, a little vinaigrette dressing on top of it. Mmm, I can taste it right now. The heart of palm. The heart of a person who's flourishing in God is tender. Tender towards his presence. Tender towards the reality of who he is. Tender towards their need for him. That palm tree grew straight. It grew strong. It, it, it didn't just wave. I mean, it began to wave, but it wouldn't break. You know, a couple years ago, we had the hurricanes come through here, and I watched these palm trees just bend. I mean, they would just go, that palm tree in my front yard just bend. Pop right back up. But I had a great big oak tree out in front, and that's not what happened. As a matter of fact, I watched that oak tree snap and land right on top of my Ford Expedition. It just... That's what happens in some people's life. You see, flourishing, prospering in God doesn't mean you won't have a problem. As a matter of fact, it's just the opposite. If you're flourishing God, it means you're going to have adversity, challenges, difficulties, struggles, opportunities for you to trust in the grace of God because greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. You see, what God loves to do is give you opportunities, put your trust completely and totally in Him. And like that palm tree, like that palm tree, when the sun comes or there's a lack of rain, you won't wither. When things happen in your life, you won't get bitter. You won't check out on God and check out on your marriage and check out on your business. No, 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 no. The righteous, they go and they plant themselves in God's house, in the house of the Lord, in the house of the Lord, like that cedar of Lebanon, these beautiful cedars, these beautiful cedar trees, their roots would go deep and they grew up, they, they, would, they were planted in an area and outside of Turkey in, in the Lebanese mountains. And there they would grow at a very high altitude. Uh, they would grow at a very, very high altitude, but they stayed green all year long. Even when the snow would come and the freezing temperatures, their, their leaves would still stay green. When the challenges, when bitterness and cold came, they still had green leaves. You see, these cedars of Lebanon, they would go deep. Their roots would go deep and wrap around rocks. See, flourishing in the house of God means that our roots go deep in Him, and we wrap ourselves around the rock, the Lord Jesus Christ. Those cedars of Lebanon, they were stately, they were beautiful, they would grow, they would live, they would grow wide, they would go down, they'd grow wide, but they'd grow up for a thou over a thousand years. In Lebanon today, in the mountains, there are still the cedars of Lebanon that are over a thousand years old. A thousand years old. See, so we're like those trees, we're going to live forever. 
we have longevity. <laughs> we have longevity. We might not live long on planet Earth, but our spirit, man, will live forever and ever and ever. And our body will reunite with the Lord Jesus Christ that is coming again at the second resurrection when he raises the righteous from the dead. I want you to know today, come on, there is a God who is for you. He's created you to be like that palm tree, that palm tree that flourishes and that cedar of Lebanon that stands strong. God is for you today. But you've got to be planted. You've got to be planted. You've got to be planted. These were planted in the courts of God. The righteous will flourish. God does want you to succeed in your marriage. God wants you to succeed. God hates divorce. He hates it. The Bible says, you know why God hates divorce? Because he knows the damage and the effect that it will do to your children. I'd venture to say every person in this room just about has been impacted in a negative way by divorce in your family. I have. It's hurt. It hurt so bad when my parents' marriage went sideways when I was a little kid. It brought so much confusion and hurt into the home. It brings so much hurt and confusion. And what Satan's plan is to destroy you. But God's plan for you is good. He will make you flourish if you plant in his house. God wants you to succeed in your ministry. God wants you to succeed in your mission of life. What you're created and called to do. God wants you to succeed in what he has designed and made you to do. He is for you. If God be for you, who can be against you? Come on. We grow in our relationship with Christ. You see, the cedars of Lebanon, they grew. They grew upwards. We are going onwards, Paul says. We're going onwards. Everyone say onwards. And we're going upwards. We're going onwards. And we're going upwards. We're moving forward towards eternity. And we're going upwards in our relationship with God. We're flourishing. We're providing comfort. We're providing help to those who need help. See, you can't, you can't help other people. You can't help other people if your life isn't flourishing. You can't do it. You can only give what you have. And if you have nothing inside to give, you, you can't give it. God's plan for you, God's purposes for you are so good. I thought about this message today in relationship to what's happened in our city over the last couple of months. One of the first reports I heard, I had never met this pastor, but I know that he pastored one of the largest churches in our city, that his private life became publicly exposed. It wasn't the first time that a pastor here in the city of Orlando's private life became publicly exposed, and it was very painful. I had never met this individual. I, I knew his father very well, and my heart was broken. I mean, I was just like, oh, God, oh, God, help us. And I, you know, my mind had all kinds of thoughts and emotions, and and about three weeks ago, I sat down with this particular individual and had lunch. Wow, I, didn't, I had no idea that was going to happen in my life. I had no idea that, that, that I was going to hopefully be part of the next step of seeing this person restored. And as I talked to this individual, I realized that inside of him there was a strong desire. Yeah, he messed up. Yeah, he, he goofed up. But not only did he hurt people, but he hurt, he hurt people. <laughs> he hurt because he hurt, he hurt other people. And that's what happens when your life isn't flourishing. So you can have a public persona that everything's okay, but your private world could be completely a wreck. And then I had lunch with another pastor who was 
fairly well known in our community, front page of the newspaper. And then we got reports just a couple of weeks ago of another pastor. And then right here in Sanford, we had reports of another pastor. And the body of Christ hurts. It hurts the whole body. It hurts the church. It hurts me. It hurts you. And I just want to say I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you experienced the hurt in your job when people mock the name of Christ and say, yeah, it's just see, it just shows you're trying to witness to a friend. And, and now that just gives them one more piece of ammunition to, to resist the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm sorry. I, I, I'm sorry for those of you that have kids and you try to bring them to the house of God. And they're like, well, that don't work for them. What's, what's different about them? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Sorry for family members that have rejected Christ. And now, once again, they're just, you know, this proves my point. All the preachers want is your money. I'm sorry. But i got to tell you what I'm not sorry about. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. What I'm not sorry about today is that I know that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. What I'm not sorry about today is that we're going to stand and take a bold declaration that it's not about a man over here, but it's about the man from Galilee whose name is Jesus, who lived a perfect sinless life, and he died on the cross, and he rose from the dead. I'm not sorry to declare today to you that Jesus said, I will build my church, a glorious church, a beautiful church, without spot nor wrinkle, and we will prevail. I'm not sorry today to tell you that we are on the winning team, and you need to be planted in the house of God. Come on, give God a hand clap this morning. It doesn't change the message or the mission. It doesn't change it. David knew he had to be planted in the house of God. David loved the presence of God. Everywhere, every time in the Bible the word is church is used, the word in the Greek is ekklesia. It literally means assembly or gathering of believers. Our fellowship is the assemblies of God. Down the street here we have the church of God. Church of God shake their head a little bit like this and assemblies of God shake their head like this. We all got a little bit of a different style, but the fact is today, the fact is that word church there is never never, ever, ever used as an individual person. It's always used corporately. Every time. Because Jesus didn't build a group of people that were isolated. These cedars of Lebanon, as a matter of fact, they always grow together in groups, and their branches would become intertwined and intertangled. The body of Christ, you can't do it. You know, oh, people say, oh, I'm a Christian, but you know, that church stuff, I don't need that. I can worship God out here camping. I feel God better out there, and I'm beach. And Yeah, it's cool because we're people of spirit and truth, and we're 24-7 we love God, but no, 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 no. No, no, Jesus said he was building the church, the glorious church. And we are a part of that. And there are many life-giving churches in this community and city, but we are part of the kingdom of heaven. And it's the agent that Jesus is using in our generation. It's the only agent. God's plan from Genesis to Revelation was the church. God didn't make a mistake with Israel. God's plan has always been for people to be planted in his house, in the house of the Lord. It's always been God's plan. Always been God's purpose. I woke up the other morning. woke up the other morning and I realized this is so important. This message is so important. This is my life message. Because I believe today, I believe that the local church... 
I believe that the local church is the place that God uses to bring a revelation of Jesus Christ to the earth today. No other agency. I believe it's the local church. I believe today that God created people to dwell together as believers in community. There are no such things, no such thing as a lone ranger in the local church. I believe that those who are planted, serve, and live to lay down their lives for the house of God or the local church will receive God's favor and blessing. I believe, I believe that the only way to truly prosper is to be by, by being connected and planted in a local church or a local body. I believe that this body will be victorious at the end of time and only those who are part of this family, this family, the body of Christ, will escape defeat by the enemy of their soul. So you, you were born in another house. You were planted in, a, in the wrong house. But God's plan from creation in the very beginning of time was for you. Jeremiah, he said, I knew you when you were in your mother's womb. It's not an accident that you're here today. God transplanted you. Peter said you were brought from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. God took you out of this court and he placed you in this house, in this house, in the body of Christ. It's called being born again. It's the only, only way you can find entrance into the house of God or into the local church. The only way you can truly become a member is not by signing your name, but by having your heart changed. Not by getting yourself baptized in a pool or drinking a communion cup. That's not how you're born again. You're born again when your heart is changed. When you fully surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's how you're transplanted from one kingdom to the next. Jesus said, Jesus said, if you abide in me, I'll abide in you. And you'll bear much fruit. I'm going to go to the gym there a little bit. Work out there. Ho, ho. It still survived. Look at that. Oh. Yeah, you'll lose a few fruits along the way. It's all right. Still got a basket there. That's how you can just keep it there. It's too heavy for me. It's too heavy. Jesus said that if you abide in me, I'll abide in you, and you'll bear much fruit. Jesus said you'll bear much fruit. You know, these bananas right here and all this fruit, but I know when they pick it, it's really green. You know, kind of, it's kind of fun with bananas, you know. You kind of like, you're like, you want to buy them when they're kind of green, but not, you know, too green. And then you want to buy them when they're kind of yellow, but not too yellow, you know. And then you set them out and you try to do it just right. Pineapples are a mystery to me. How do you pick a pineapple? I don't know. Apple, I like crispy and cold. And when you bite into a piece of fruit that's not ripe, it is bitter. It is bitter. You spit it out. God wants your heart to be planted in this house. You see, because when you're planted in the house of God, you can drink by rivers of living water. You can enjoy His presence. You can grow. You can hear the Word. You can worship God with other believers. You can be corrected and changed. You can be impacted for the kingdom of heaven. You can give your life. You can pour your life out. And as you do that, your fruit begins to grow. And the fruit of your life, the goal of God is to make you sweet. It's to make you sweet. It's to make you better, not bitter. I believe City Church has a mission. We have what I call a moment of 10 in my life. We have a moment of 10 in my life. At City Church, at City Church, I believe, I believe today. 
that we have this call of God to worship Him with all of our heart, soul, and strength. I think I actually have that up there. City Church has a, a moment of 10 where we're committed as a people to, to, we're committed to worshiping God with all of our heart, soul, and strength. I believe at City Church, we have a moment of 10 where we can invest in the next generation. I, I love what God's doing in our house. We have the youngest and the oldest, the ministry that's taking place. I, I love what God's doing. We're investing in the next generation. We're fanning the flame, as Pastor Jenny said last week. I believe that City Church, we have a moment of 10 to make the gospel, the, teaching the gospel to other people relevant and practical for their daily life. I don't just want to preach to your Sundays. I want to preach to your Mondays. I, I want you to experience something when you hear the word of God that you can take from this place. Uh, at City Church, we have a moment of 10 where we're committed to saying yes, yes to the Great Commission. You see, God has called us to reach out to bring His love. God has called us to love people regardless of race, regardless of color of skin. Listen, you're setting a church today that's probably the most integrated church in, in, in Sanford because we love people. We're committed to the Great Commission, whether someone's red, yellow, black, white, green, purple, multicolor. I don't care what color hair. I don't care what kind of piercings. I don't care what kind of tattoos. I don't care what place of life or station of life they're in. There is a yes to God. There's a yes that God loves them and has a plan for their life. Come on. We believe that as a church. We're committed. We have a moment of 10. Amen. At City Church, we have this moment. We have this chance where we believe that changed lives are the fruit. Changed lives are the fruit of people being planted in the house of God. Changed lives today. It's about changed lives. When Juan was sitting up here last week, and I began to read his Facebook post. He just got saved. And he's in the baptism. And we're talking changed life. New person. New man. Front row Wednesday night taking notes. Can't get other people out. But new believers, they are so hungry. They want the word of God. I mean, it's I just want we gotta reach more lost people because you won't come out Wednesday night to get Bible teaching. We gotta get new people saved that are hungry for the word, that want the presence of God, that know they don't know everything. They they need they need the changed life and the reality of his word. I believe that. I believe that City Church is a place of healing. It's a place of healing for the body, for the soul. For the spirit i believe city church today we understand the times and the seasons in which we live our time is short our time is short we have no promise of tomorrow we've got to make the moment count city church i believe that renewing our minds is a daily process i believe that we are committed to helping people find and discover god's will and they can renew themselves in christ on a daily basis I believe today that at City Church, we are champion. We are champion the cause of the poor. We're champion the cause of the single parent. We're champion the cause of the fatherless. We're champion that because it's the heart of God. Jesus said to preach the gospel to the poor. It's the heart of this church. A pastor asked me recently, he said, well, how do you minister to people who are disadvantaged? I said, we just open the doors because we love all people. We don't put people in boxes. We believe that God's will and purpose is good for everyone. We believe that God wants every person to, uh, to flourish in this church. We believe in children. We'll have a van run next service and pick kids up from one of the apartment complexes in the area because we're champion the cause of Christ in our generation. And 
then we believe that all this is possible because we're empowered by the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that empowers us. It's the Holy Spirit that empowers this church to be a glorious church, to be a prevailing church, to be an overcoming church, to be a conquering church. And when you join and identify with this church family, these are the things that we're committed to. These are the things that we believe that God wants to do in this city, in this generation, in your family. We believe that God is for people, not against people. We believe that God created all men to be saved, although not all men will be saved. We believe that God is not willing that anyone should perish. And we have a mission from heaven. We have a mandate from heaven. We have a mandate from heaven to see people planted in the house of God, to see them flourish like that palm tree and to grow like the cedar of Lebanon so that when they get old, when they get old, because you will get old someday. When you get old, you will continue to have green leaves. You won't wither. You won't quit. You won't shut down. But you will go all the way to the end, giving God glory, honor, and praise. Passing on your faith to the next generation. Stand with me this morning. We're going to close in a time of worship because I said this morning that we need His power and His presence. I believe right now the presence the power of God is here. I believe the presence and the power of God is here. And if you're here this morning and you're still planted in the wrong kingdom, you're still planted in the wrong house, you haven't had a changed life. Come on, you, you know about God. You sat in a church service. You, you've heard people talk about it. You've seen other people live it, but you haven't fully surrendered. Now is your moment. Come on, heads bowed and I close. I'm going to give an invitation for someone today. If it's just one, if it's just one, we want to welcome you to God's house. We want to welcome you today into the house of God where you will flourish, where you will flourish as you plant yourself. You're here this morning and you know your life isn't right with Christ. You know that today that Jesus isn't at the center of your life. He's not ruling your life. You're not surrendered to Him that's you right now. I'm going to give you this opportunity to leave this place a changed person. When I count to three, I want you to raise your hand and and we're going to pray with you. But if you're here this morning and you know your life isn't right with Jesus, when I count to three, raise your hand. One, two, three. Right now, come on, in this room. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. Wow. You can put your hand down. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We're going to do something right now. We're going to pray. I want every person, please, there there are several people that just raised their hand. That's a significant moment because at this moment, they're wanting to transfer. They want to make a transfer. They want to allow God to transplant them because it's God that does it. They want God to transplant them from one house into his house. I want everyone to say, Lord Jesus, I admit today that I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. I believe, Lord Jesus, that everything you did you did for me. I give you my heart. Change my life. Change my ways of living. I'm determined today to plant myself in your house by your grace, by your strength, by your power. I surrender my life to you in Jesus' name. Come on, let's give God a great big hand clap right now.